Man, a podcast where we will not be talking about Daniel Robital, the human name of the horror creation Candyman. In fact, we're going to be talking about Sweet Tooth, the final episode of season one. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And as mentioned, this is episode eight, Big Man, the last episode of season one of Sweet Tooth on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, spoil the warning, go watch it. It's great. We're going to talk about all of it now. But a lot of stuff comes together in this episode. A lot of stuff comes to bear. I was no pun on Comes bear. Comes to bear? bear. Okay. Come on. You look go. at you. How do you have time for puns like that when you're doing yeah. all that Candyman research? All the time? <laughs> yeah, the five seconds I take a look at the wiki for Candyman before we get on air is uh, the most frantic five seconds of my day. Uh, uh, his name. <laughs> I don't know. What have we covered already? There's not that many Candyman movies. Season anyway. two. Season two, Alex. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm I'm tapped out at this point. I got Virginia <laughs> Madison, and that's pretty much it that we haven't oh, talked good. about. And now Save I talked it. about her, so yeah, blew you that. blew it. You blew it. Blew that. Anyway, this final episode here brings a lot of the threads together. We get a lot of answers about things. Gus gets captured by Abbott by the end of the episode. Jeopard is left for dead, but picked up by Amy. The zoo is under attack. The hybrids are captured as well. Singh and Ronnie end up in the zoo. So all of these things are coming together. And meanwhile, we get this huge cliffhanger here at the end where Bear gets a phone working with Judy and actually calls Birdie in, I assume, the Arctic. I said Alaska, I think, on the sun. Alaska. Yeah, there you go. Some frozen place, some very cold place. Well, Maybe it's Alaska. Vermont. Oh, yeah. Alaska can be in the Arctic. I believe the Arctic Circle extends. Uh, and before I hate we to, get to Pete's well, question, I just want to uh, tease at the end of the episode, because I know this is everybody's main concern, we are going to be reviewing a piece of candy, and we also are going to be determining the winner of the highly coveted Syrup Cup. So that's very exciting. So look forward to that. But Pete, coveted. first, let's get through the episode so we can get to the candy. What's going on? Yeah, I just wanted to just say you, you missed something huge in mm-hmm. your kind of recap, something that a lot of people have been talking yes, about. Yes, again, I want to remind you that the recap is just very broad strokes of what we're talking yeah, about. And now broad the strokes. Point, it's a huge stroke, and you missed it, so I'm just trying you to mi- bring it up. Alex, okay. you missed a stroke, and he's okay. on stroke. Pete's on stroke watch. Yeah, so uh, we got to see Bobby's tunnels, and Bobby don't fuck around. He's messing with TNT. He is like, the guy is, I mean, I I was blown away by what Bobby's been up to, and uh, frankly, I'm scared of him now. You've really come around on Bobby, huh, Pete? Yeah, 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 and I just want to remind viewers and Pete that once again, Bobby didn't build those tunnels. Now, <laughs> let's get into the episode. Actually, I think a more broad thing we could talk about now that we're here at the end of the season. What did you think about season one, Justin? I thought it was great. I mean, uh, I feel like the way that they brought these threads together and sort of like paired everybody up with different people that you wouldn't quite expect, I thought was so fun and smart. Like, really caught me off guard. Uh, Even the bit with Sing and Jeopard in the elevator and the flashback, all that stuff, they are creating this fairy tale environment in a way that I just didn't, I didn't expect them to to sort of land it so well in this episode. And I really enjoyed the season as a whole. Pete, what about you? Okay, first off, uh, yes, uh, Bobby finally digged the, the tunnels that he dig was with the ones with the dynamite in it. We finally saw the real tunnels. I joked about the other tunnels before, but in this app, we got to see what he's finally been digging, where they jam all the dynamite. Um, 
But yeah, he's yes. a real crazy Harry character. Go on. What are what are you an excavator, Peter? What are you? What are you <laughs> I'm just, just uh, I'm just saying. Like we finally got the reveal of what Bobby's been up to, and it, it was crazier than I thought. Which There's is so much to talk about in this episode. Please stop. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bobby Tunnel Twitter is has been lit ever since Thank this you, season dropped. So, Thank like, you. I will say, Pete is speaking to a tens of people out there. That's right. Um, you got to rep the ten. Anyways, yeah, I uh, overall just. It was such a magical world that even though I read the comic, I didn't know I would get into it this much. We're spending so much more time with these characters. It's uh, it's really smart and a lot of amazing, uh, like, just shots. It's beautifully shot and well put together. And the characters and the casting is just phenomenal. I agree with both of you guys. I thought this was a great first season. This is one of my favorite shows in a really long time. And I they really stuck the landing here in the last episode. I was surprised how much of a bow they put on everything from Jeopard in that first scene coming in and hitting the guys who were vaping, which, by the way, very fun scene and very, like we've been talking about all along, very reflective of what's been going on in the world outside. I really like that. Uh, That felt like a conversation, an exaggerated conversation, but a conversation you'd see on the street literally today. And Rice Darby cameo. Uh, the uh, manager from Flight of the Concords. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, and I awesome. wonder if, because I know they were shooting this in New Zealand under COVID. If they shot the scene under COVID, maybe he was just like, I'm available. <laughs> that was a small role for an actor that I feel like is pretty iconic. What was yeah. great was I recognized his voice because it, he didn't get his stuff ripped up. So it was... Uh, I, yeah, I was so happy about that. The casting is phenomenal on the show. Yeah, I can't believe I missed that one. I think it was that he didn't say Brit at any point, which is yes. the main thing that I associate. Do you think with. it was it was the same character he was playing from uh, Absolutely. Flight of the Concords? No doubt in my mind. The motivational posters behind him and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to say about the like tying a bow thing, I had these mental check-ins with myself throughout the episode whenever there are these crossing of paths like Singh and Jeopard in the elevator or towards the end of the episode when we find out that Pigtail is actually Bear's little sister, where it was like, is this too much? Is this too much yeah. connection? But I think it worked. You know, that that was the check-in that I did every time where it felt like, okay, we keep adding and adding these things that are seemingly coincidental, but I do think they were actually set up throughout the season, and I do think they paid off really well when you think about well, it. I, I agree with you because it's a lot of coincidence, but I think the thing that tied it together for me and made it work is, honestly, Jimmy Brolin. I think James Brolin's narration oh is God. like, he's like, Sucky look, see, tones. I've been talking about family all along, and they're all a big family. Like, <laughs> it, There's something about the, the he creates the fairy tale side where he... It sort of feels like they can be as deliberate as the as what happened in this episode. See, I wish he had kind of come in with some narration where he's like, "Oh wow, that's quite a coincidence." <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought I thought the use of the crossing over was perfect. Like, Big Man needed a pep talk, and like Doctor Singh came through huge in the elevator, and I thought it was like such a nice thing of like. You know, that's what family's about is when people need you, you're there for them. And like the fact that Dr. Singh was there for Jeopardy, so he didn't make a horrible decision that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Uh, it was just so great. And I didn't want to hate. I didn't want. I was just root so hard. And I was like, no, 
go, you go back, you go back up there. Like, oh, unbelievable. And it's oh so great how Singh is there for that um, lizard uh, hybrid when he goes oh, to cut come his... on, That man. was brutal. Oh, Absolutely brutal. Poor lizard I, kid. Well, we've talked... Let, let's jump in and talk about Singh's arc here a bit because we've not gone back and forth. It's probably the wrong way to say it, but certainly debated or talked about what is happening with Singh and where he is going and how dark of a place he's going to go to. And... He doesn't so much straddle that line as cross that line, I would argue, by the end of this episode, where it's great that he doesn't dissect Gus. I'm very happy about that. But the fact that he has made peace with, well, this this gecko boy doesn't talk. He's not trying to sell me car insurance or anything. So I feel comfortable dissecting his brain. That's cool with me because I'm going to save my wife. Um, is not great. And that doesn't point to a good place that he's in going into season two. I think he is, though he's doing it for the right reasons, he's on the side of bad, I would say, by the end of the season. And the way that he just, they don't belabor it. Like, we don't have him have, like, a moral discussion uh, with Ronnie or himself or whoever. Like, they just flip the switch and he's ice cold. He's made the choice. The look on his face is, uh, it's such a cool, interesting choice where he's just kind of like, he's glazed himself over. And he's like, this is just another Tuesday. I'm trying not to, like, really think about what I'm doing with such a cool, smart choice instead of it being, like, something bigger, like, now I'm a villain or whatever. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, and I feel like it's more true to life to have someone. You, when you make a moral choice like that, you you do do it that way. You don't like hem and haw about it. It's like he's in that position. He does it. I, I really like that as well, Pete. And I, I don't think it tanks his character though, or anything. He still has a chance for redemption. There's still some beautiful moments in there. Uh, the no, that Ronnie... character's tanked. <laughs> tanked. <laughs> My favorite character in the show in this episode, the tank. Oh, yeah, definitely. No question. Yeah. The moment there. where Ronnie takes the Scrabble tiles and puts them on the window oh, and spells us really that got my heart. Me. And that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, that was just... Even though, like we've talked about, she's ruthless as well. She's put in this awful position here where she's basically being held as a zoo creature. She's been put in the position. They put the hybrids in there at the end, and that's awful. But there's still this this germ of hope to hold on to. Another little note on the storyline that I really loved was Abbott knowing that they were bullshitting the whole time. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. great. Uh, that it, was great. it didn't undervalue the intelligence of that particular character. Now, I, I hear you. She, you thought she was writing us with the Scrabble tiles, but I think she was writing use the dull blade on the hybrid <laughs> because that's how much of a monster she is. She was just oh, we didn't finish God. the spelling she was yeah. doing. Yeah, mm. she was just getting started on a whole sentence. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a lot uh, of Scrabble tiles <laughs> yeah, she has yeah. up her sleeves. She's just pouring them everywhere. What if she was spelling, like, G-U-S, like, Gus is the main character, I'm just over here. Yeah. <laughs> just crying for help as a side character. I think uh, it was she was spelling out USA. She was feeling very patriotic. Patriotic. Yeah. Old Lang song. Taking Sorry. a step back here, but tying it into Abbott, also love the attack on the zoo. I thought that was so incredibly staged and I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I do want to pat myself on the back from the second episode where I called that they were going to use the fireworks as a distraction to drive off Abbott's army. There you go. Nailed it. Yeah. You're a great fireworks call. His back, his back is padded. Like, look yeah. at that thing. It's so relaxed. It's very it's like a, right now. A, yeah. Yeah. No, we know you don't, please. You don't need to say that. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll have the the smug horns will be firing yeah. um in the in post. I'll have them in post. Yes, yeah, please. I this is my favorite Amy episode. I love the interaction with Amy and Abbott when he was calling into the zoo and her taking absolutely no shit from anybody. Uh the attack there like I said was excellently staged. I thought it was beautifully shot as well. And just Amy's soul arc over here, she's a badass in this episode yes. and it's awesome to see. Yeah, he uh she is. Uh one more thing on Abbott, I want to say. Like I feel like he has like a Jack Skellington vibe or like some sort <laughs> of Batman villain. He's like jumping on the fence. I thought it was such a fun physical choice they made with him as well. Um uh, so that was cool. But back on Amy, yeah, she is such a badass in this episode. And the way she ends up uh, rescuing Jepper, just like ice cold about that as well, was was great. And what a, how are they going to interact with each other in the inevitable season two of Sweet Tooth? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, though, that, you know, it was fun to watch some characters change in this season. Like, we really got to see... Uh, doctors sing over the dark side. Amy just starts being like, okay, I'm a person who just sits around the gun now and uh, I'm cold as ice and I go and help things make things happen. I can't wait to see how those two kind of interact. It'll be very interesting. They are mad. They are yeah, angry. Two they are mad people. Oh, that's going to be fun. Well, I don't know if, I don't know what's up with Jeopard, though, at the end here. This is a beautiful episode for Jeopard. Obviously, the title of the episode is Big Man, and there's a lot of focus on there. We get this sense through these wonderful flashbacks where his wife is giving birth. We find out he has a hybrid kid. I believe his hybrid kid is in the preserve at the end. I the grown-up so. goat boy. I could be wrong about that, but it certainly looked like one of the kids was goat boy. You know, the famous character from SNL. Oh, oh, that's wow. so fun to see that oh, origin. Wow. That's great. Mm -hmm. well, well, Forte, it's nice to have the connection over to Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure, absolutely. Sure. But Jeopard is, like we see in his conversation with Gus at the plane, he's kind of emotionally moving on at this point. He's moved on from his anger. He's ready to settle down. He just wants to have a house with Gus, maybe Bear, begrudgingly, and just live and just have a good life. And then he gets shot in the chest, which is horrifying, absolutely horrifying to watch. So I d I'm very curious to see what happens with him because Amy is gung-ho to be like, we're going to attack. I'm making plans. Jeopard, there's a bunch of different ways I think they can go with him. One of them is he was shot and reborn. So what does that mean? You know, is he a different Jeopard in season two, one who is not willing to fight potentially? I got, yeah, I got to say, uh, Jeopard has been such a just rock in this show of like unbelievable acting, like all this stuff pivots on this character. You have to believe this guy was an unbelievable football player, also a family man, like just the range and the, the motion of this character. And like the, the part where he just like checks like his shirt, you know, like, oh, I just, I was like, no. No, it's it's unbelievable uh, uh, what they've been able to accomplish with this character and such a great casting choice. So happy. Yeah, uh, so good. Another thing I thought of in this watching this episode is the Jeopard bear dynamic, the way they relate to Gus. Like it sort of is built and there's so much talk about family from our guy, uh, Jimmy B., uh, but uh, it's not it's not a mother father dynamic with Gus. It really is like older siblings, mm -hmm. both the way they relate to Gus and the way they relate to each other. And I think that's 
again, just a, a more interesting choice they made creatively on that rather than have them be the traditional sort of the easier answer of mother father. Bear's storyline, which I thought was good, was definitely the most muted of everything that went on in this episode. She just had sort of a very small move, it felt like. She already went through, not her catharsis, but her character change where, like she says towards the beginning of the episode, my whole worldview has changed. The hybrids are not what I thought they were. Uh, What does that mean for my life going forward? So Hers felt a little more plotty to me in terms of filling in the information about Pigtail and then ultimately calling Birdie, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I definitely want to see more character movement from her potentially in season two. I am curious to hear from you guys who were super suspicious of Judy the past couple of episodes. She turns out to be okay, right? Or are you still (laughs) suspicious of her? (laughs) Don't. I know you want to judge Judy. Yeah, please. Uh, I want to judge Judy. I see. I see. I get. <laughs> but it. also, I want to back up the chuck a little bit. Uh, Bear was the leader of her like own cult here, that like lived in a water park, and then is now kind of walking. Definitely the earth. not a water park. But go ahead. Uh, <laughs> is now walking the earth. Like you can't say that she hasn't gone through a lot. Like just to be like, oh, she isn't doing much. It's a little plotty. Like f you, dude. She's been through so much. Um. He's got his eyes on summer. He's just all water park, all all the time. Come on, man. Pete, what did you think about the revelation that Bobby built that amusement park? (laughs) (laughs) He could have. The guy is unbelievable. He could have. He's very talented. And because you know the way we build, um, we as a society build water parks is by blowing up all the rock around the water park and carving it into... This is a very little note, but I loved the pacing of the end of the episode, that last scene in the preserve with all the hybrid children. I've now watched the episode a couple of times, and I, like, legitimately get choked up every time Gus and Pigtail hug. Just the way that shot is done. The group hug is just... Oh, my God. It completely gets me. The The smile, the kid hat, and the lighting, the way he's glowing. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's gorgeously shot. It's absolutely beautiful. It brings home everything that we've wanted out of this season, and it gives Gus a new purpose going into season two. Perfect ending. And the fact that they don't do a mid-credits or end-credits sequence, but they just do this quick dip to black, so you know that's the end of the season. And then you get this extra tag of Bear calling Birdie and the reveal of Birdie is great. Just the way that it's all paced out is absolutely lovely. It, It leaves you both heartwarmed and hopeful but also is stoked to get whatever's going to come down the road. Yeah. And tanked. Mm. And don't forget if they get tanked. Straight up bro. tanked, man. Yeah. I'm straight up tanked for this episode. <laughs> Better get horsed. You got to get tanked. Yeah. <laughs> That's the opposite. Pete's been pitching that. Uh, getting tanked? Yeah, it's I'll a companion. It's an after show. Get horse mm. plays at a half an hour later. Like, have you gotten horse? Time to get tanked. See, I feel like I always get tanked and then, then I get horsed. Oh, okay. Because I'm not... <laughs> we'll have to talk to the network. Not going to specify which one, but we'll talk oh, to man. them. It's our personal network. Uh, what do you think Birdie... What, how is Birdie going to affect a season two or season three of this show? I imagine she's looking for the cure, right? Like, that's what she did. What we yeah. speculated a couple of episodes back that maybe she was heading off to find Gus... But I think it's now pretty clear that she headed back to wherever they found 
these microbes, this virus, whatever it was in the ice to begin with, and is trying to either find them again, find some new ones, some sort of way of stopping this virus. Because the other big tease that we get from the Abbott storyline is they believe there's a new wave of the sick coming. Potentially, it's going to mutate. He wants the cure from Singh. But I think Birdie is probably the one who is more able to actually find that cure, potentially. Yeah, because she potentially invented it. (laughs) Right. So she better than a random doctor (laughs) working in a (laughs) zoo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I want to go back a little bit to the Gus uh, moment there where you go from, you know, when there's this really nice moment between Jeopard and Gus. And then like Gus reveals like, yeah, Hey, I was using that old uh, walkie talkie thing there. And you, it's just like, Oh no, it's, it's all over. And so like to kind of go from that lull to that high of the group hug, uh, you know, uh, to pull that off is really impressive. It gets really dark towards the end there. Yeah. Super yeah. Dark. yeah. Yeah. That's why flyers are so dangerous. Like, you can't have flyers mm-hmm. with all that information flying around because things change. Things flyers change. need to vanish. They need to vanish like Snapchats. When I'm walking along on the street and I see a bunch of flyers on a telephone pole or something, I look around because I'm scared that uh, there's going to be a boom. Oh, you know? wow. Mm. Yeah. 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 And Alex, when you're there, you should pull one of those tabs and learn guitar. You should oh. learn guitar from Dan. <laughs> Dan is a good guy. Dan I, will teach you guitar. I did actually want to call out, I loved, love slash hated the line, big man, I heard a boom. Uh, just, I don't know, it was like a perfect little Gus line that stuck out to me for some reason. And then you have that horrible moment where, for a quick moment, I thought maybe Jeopardy heard the boom and had a heart attack. Until yeah, I realized, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Because he just, gra- and then he's down. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd be stressed too. That that's a henchman with a good shot, whoever got Big Man. I They got me, too. I really thought maybe they were going to kill Jeopard because, I don't know, he was lying in that field for a while before Amy wow. found him. Yeah. yeah. And they, he was so convincingly dying that the bad guys were like, yeah, we got him. Yeah, he's dead. He's done. Uh, one other thing, uh, I feel like a show that took so many um, liberties or, or made so many creative choices away from the source material in the comic book they, there are some images throughout this, this season and in this episode specifically that I was like, wow, that's a panel from the comic. One of them, the um, henchman working under Singh now, uh, there's sort of this very tall, lanky guy and he sort of leans in. I was like, that is – the casting on his face is a Jeff Lemire Is that drama. Johnny, you mean? Yeah, maybe maybe I don't know the name, but uh, it's it it's perfect. the guy with kind of like sort of a very light mullet that we've seen in yeah, previous episodes. Yes. Yeah, I think the his name is Johnny. Yeah. You're totally right. He absolutely looks like a Jeff Lemire character. Also, like we talked about before, and I still haven't revisited the comic, but there are little things that blip out, and Gus in the cage is definitely one that I was like, oh, okay, all right, I remember that. This is sparking a memory of the comic in particular, and them being in the preserve. Um, also, I think there's a cover of Gus leading all spoiler, I guess, but leading all the animal children out of the preserve and Mm. seeing that moment at the end with all of them made me remember that as well. So yeah, absolutely. Lots of stuff jumping out. I tell you, uh, what would be right out of a comic book is you get old, uh, Brolin on camera and that's, uh, Jeff Lemire right there too. 
What? Are you saying that James <laughs> Brolin looks like Jeff Lemire? No, I'm saying he oh, looks like a drawing. Like a drawing from a Jeff Lemire comic. Oh, yes, James, that is very true. Um, one other thing, just as I'm looking through my notes here, a uh, couple of things that jumped out at me. The drone flying at the beginning, we speculated what was going on with that drone at the beginning of the previous episode, and then they actually bring it when we see it flying at the beginning of this episode, which I thought was a fun little, like, callback explanation. Um, also, I don't know about you guys, but the whole attack on the hybrid children, specifically when Bobby comes out with his tiny little ball and that he sees the guys there, I gasped in absolute horror about what was about to happen to the best character on the show. Now, what's, wow, what's your relationship with Bobby, Alex? Is it fatherly? Do you identify with Bobby? Yeah. Uh, are you Bobby? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Tell me uh, when you look at him. I think it's it's probably the same way that Pete is horrified by Emmett's Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yep. Uh-huh. I think I am enchanted by that sort of thing. It sort of reminds me of... You know, going to Disney World and seeing those janky animatronics that are kind of bumping around <laughs> that I have such a good association with. Um, or maybe like Chuck E. Cheese. He's like a Chuck E. Cheese guy, you know? And you always have a fun time there. Yes, great no pizza, one's ever, great games. No, no one's ever had a bad time at a Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting. So it's sort of a nostalgia play is your love of Bobby. That's probably what it is. It probably is a pleasant association with very old school Muppets. Because uh, this is definitely showing my age, but like for the most part, I've never really hooked into CGI characters. There's something about them that's like, uh, obviously, there's some that really work. I was going to say, but I think there's something. What? Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, Jar Jar Binks. Watto. (laughs) Some that that really work. (laughs) The little penguins uh, in Star Wars. You love. Why are they going to get those three together to have a show of their own? Oh man, make it happen, Disney Plus. I think, you know, you look at, like, I think this is the reason that Baby Yoda works, is there's spot CGI elements, but the fact that they're actually using a puppet, it makes it more tactile, it makes it feel more real, even though it doesn't quite look as real at the same time. It uh, And you can see more of an interaction between the other characters and the physical being, so... Yeah, I don't know. If I was to look into it, I think that's the reason that I'm hooking into Bobby so much. But also, it's a cute little furry dude with a tiny little ball, and he's wearing a Cub Scout suit, and it's adorable. Uh, And Pete, you like Bobby because of his um, tunnel-building prowess. Yeah, well, the fact that he is the now he's the explosive expert. I'm really looking forward to going forward how things are going to roll out with Bobby and his tunneling and ex- explosive expertise. Interesting. He's sort of the Mr. T or the howling Mad Murdoch, I guess. Exactly. He's Mad Murdoch. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Great. So we know you like Bobby because you like Bobby because he reminds you of Murdoch from Eighteen. A yep, lot of people, yep. tens of people share that same opinion, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I want, I want to kind of go back to something real quick, guys. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. Um, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> what? trying to... Yeah, You've yeah. been prescribing me medication for 12 years. <laughs> Why is Dr. Singh going at that poor lizard child with a buzzsaw? Like, what medically are you doing with that? And what is... Why does that have to happen like that? Wouldn't it be a smaller incision? And then, like, like what do you? What is that? Well, that the only so... interaction I've ever had with a doctor is the hit movie Doctor Giggles, and he definitely <laughs> cuts up a lot of people. 
Yeah, I did that not is, see that coming. Dazzy Doctor Giggles coming. <laughs> I, did not see Dr. coming. <laughs> I don't know where that was in my memory, but it just wow. popped out right there. Uh, I think he was going to cut a little limb off. He was going to cut some some Does stuff. He grows off that back. Could, is that what? You're no, 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 no. It, he, they established earlier on that it comes from the stem cells. It comes from the bone marrow. That's where they get that secret sauce that is the cure. So I don't he, remember it, that part. I guess uh, maybe. Yeah, they're not a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't paying attention during that part. It wasn't about Bobby digging tunnels. Yeah. They talked about this during the Secret Sauce episode, or maybe it was the next episode when they explained it a little further. But either way, that's where they believe the cure lies. So they he's got to just cut this kid apart, take out his brain, take uh, the parts, on, get man. the stem cells, do that's... the genetic research. Um, just cut him up for spare parts. It's absolutely awful, but that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Before we move on to the ever important candy portion of the show, any other moments from this finale that you guys want to call out? I really don't want to eat candy right now. I'm so grossed out about that lizard guy. Well, I could talk about just very briefly. I really liked how Wendy, aka Pigtail, stepped up in this episode. I thought that was really nice. Um, Obviously, it didn't turn out very well, but the relationship between Amy and Pigtail is really good. Pigtail and the other hybrids is good. Uh, And Pigtail and Gus is great. I'm very curious to see what happens going forward in this potential season two, where you have these two hybrids who can talk who are a little more evolved than everybody else, as well as we get a look at a bunch of other very hairy children in the background. Yeah, there. It looked like the cast of cats. I was like, a, this a is little weird. That was one that I felt like, mm, yeah. maybe they slapped that out a little quickly. <laughs> they definitely. Like, there, wow, there was a Mr. Mistopheles. Am I saying yeah. that correctly? <laughs> In the background there. The orange kid, yeah. The kid who was all orange fur, yeah. Uh, great. Can't wait for the song and dance number. All oh, musical man. season. Yes. Um, I didn't say this before, but I'm still suspicious of Judy. You know, you <laughs> want to fall in love with Judy. Judy's so thumbs up with Judy. She's a little too kind here. Here's what I want to see in season two. I want to see more Judy. I want to see more Bobby. I want to see Judy teaming up with Bobby. What are oh, they doing? Wow. What are they interested in? Are they going to watch a movie together? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. That's maybe a rom- maybe a romance develops. Mm, that's real May May December. You don't know how old Bobby is. That's true. <laughs> he could be a hybrid adult. Bobby could be like 45 years old looking for love with Judy. Yeah. Bobby over the hill. (laughs) Bobby ready for Uh, retirement. Bobby been vested in 401k. (laughs) As we established early on, Bobby was at um, the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So Bobby's got shit going on that you don't even know. Bobby currently facing no consequences. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, that's a little topical humor for you. Let's move on. First of all, just before we actually move on to the candy, great season of the show. Fingers crossed. Really hope there is a second season. Uh, Clearly, it's been at the, as we tape this, the top of the Netflix trends for a solid week, I think, it's been number one, which is well-deserved, but absolutely wild. So very excited. Good reviews. People like it. Yeah. Fingers crossed we'll get a season two, but let's move into the candy review portion. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Kit Kat. Yes. Uh, Now, I got this Kit Kat at my local store, my local bodega. Should I be alarmed that it features a Santa on it? Wait, what? (laughs) Hold it up. (laughs) That's so sort of. Wow. That's old candy, bro. 
Where, where's, the, where's the born on date for this uh, candy? Oh, I'm I still got it. Unfortunately, I'm ashamed to admit that uh, uh, I have six individually wrapped Kit Kat. I had to rob my neighbor's kid six times of his uh, little lunch treat his mom puts in oh, there. Wow. Oh, wow. So, wait, you didn't need to get six. You only need one little bite. <laughs> well, I needed to get a full Kit Kat. You know, it's like stealing it. candy from a baby six times in a row. <laughs> That's right. And I'll say I did not. I know you guys have been pretty upset about this. I did not go to the gas station to pick up a cat, Kit yes. Kat this time at right. all. Yes. Uh, no, I went to, I live near a place called uh, Industry City, and there they have Japan Village, where they have a really exciting food store. <laughs> Why so can't did, you just get what you're supposed so to get? So I got a couple of Kit Kats. I've got a uh, Shinshu apple-flavored Kit Kat, a Why uh, can't peach get- parfait Kit Kat. You're not reviewing the thing. Ba- banana caramel yeah. Kit Kat. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, sparkling wine with strawberry Kit Kat. And here's one that I can only imagine is flavored like a polar bear because that's all it has on it. Ooh, the, the, Do you the have a real theme. flavored Kit Kat, asshole? Nope. Wow. <laughs> Always flexing on us I, from the top I, of Candy just, Mountain. Yeah, just <laughs> Got to look down. Let's, oh, Alex, tell us how you sparkling wine Kit Kat is. <laughs> sure, I can start with that one. That oh, sounds fine. God. No, that's. I think you have to save that. That pairs well with the pineapple goof one that you said first. <laughs> pineapple goof flavored. Uh, here, I'll start with the banana caramel. That's what I'm going to do. That sounds good. Why would you start with that? Why not? You know, well, talk to me. Talk to me about Kit Kat. What do you think? This <laughs> what, is, uh, what do you think it'd be? I love a Kit Kat. You know what I mean? It's simple. Yeah. You know what you're getting every time. It's a light kind of treat where you got the wafer, makes it not as heavy. That's why I don't like a Snickers. It's too much fucking shit to eat. You don't you don't do much shit to eat. Snickers is the king of candy bars. I said Snickers it from the Snickers is if you miss a meal, you have a Snickers. Hmm. I want candy is a treat. It's a light little in-between thing that's like, oh. So no. this is this is pretty good. This is basically like a basic Kit Kat with sort of a banana like creme brulee. Nobody cares. Sent to it? Oh, well. <laughs> you were supposed uh, to cool. get a Kit Kat and you didn't. What do you think about, we talked about this on the podcast before, I think, but what do you think about the fact that you get two Kit Kats or potentially four? Four. The normal pack has four. four. <laughs> I have two tiny ones. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. And I like that it's the segmented nature of the Kit Kat. It's the best version of it. Like the Hershey bar, the way you break that, it's always like, jagged and shit you can't break a snickers except by slowly eating it with your mouth because it's the best nope um so i like the break i like the wafers as well it's um pete what you said earlier like i feel like biting into this kit kat is like taking a bite out of a, a gecko boy's leg <laughs> with uh a... i gotta try oh this smells good my joke could die one of these days justin i could have the shinshu apple now I couldn't care less. Sorry, Alex. I'm going to duck out until you finish your private candy tasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is really good. This one is good. Do you guys like apple stuff? You like apple apples? stuff? Well, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of apple candy, so I think that's why I lean Do towards this Do you like apples? Than... Yeah, I like apples. <laughs> I, I oh, we should have reviewed apples on this show. Oh, oh man. okay. You're that guy at Halloween? Here's, I got her I'll number. Tell you why. How you like those apples? There was a Halloween where we stopped by a house, and the house was giving out wrapped sticks of celery. 
for some, which seemed terrible to me, but my daughter loved it and asked for celery like the entire year afterwards. She was like, that was the best. Oh, I love that so much. More Don't celery, nature's, please. Nature's Don't, candy. Very weird. Don't raise that. It is weird. Man. What's up with her taste buds? Oh. Celery is nature's toothbrush. Doesn't get it for me. All right. I'm going to, one more. I'm going to try the sparkling wine with strawberry one. We'll see. Just to kind of finish up here. What a way to kick off our day. This one has white chocolate. I already don't like it. Kit Kat from start to finish is just glorious. It's just so delicious and light. Terrible. Let me throw it out there. I'm going to put Kit Kat right underneath, right underneath Snickers. Wow. Oh, God. What happened, Alex? I don't know. There's something about that. It's like, it's like eating something rotten or mold. Oh, like no, I don't like that at all. That's terrible. The apple one what was about, the best one, but this what was it? sparkling wine with strawberry got off. Huh. So it's with absolutely disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's terrible. Ooh. Don't ever eat that. Yeah. All right. So we've tasted Kit Kat, some of us at least. Yeah. So it's now. Good. What? I said it's good. It's right underneath Snickers in my power ranking. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a very good one. But it is time now to determine who is going to be the winner of the coveted syrup cup from season one of Sweet Tooth. So real quick, I'm going to read off each of the candies that we reviewed so far on the podcast. We've done Snickers, Three Musketeers, Twix, Sour Gummy Worms, sort of, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Twizzlers, Milky Way, and now Kit Kat. So of those Mm. choices... Justin, we'll start with you. Why don't we do this? You can uh, say what your number one choice is. Go to bat for it very briefly. And then if there's any rebuttals, we can kind of jump in there. Justin, you want to go first? I would love to. The chair recognizes himself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, You just referred yourself as a chair? I'm the chair of the Candy candy Senate. No way. Um, the uh, I the Snickers. I've said it from the beginning. You have not swayed me a bit with your also ran candy bars. A Milky Way is the shadow of a Snickers. Don't come at me. It's Milky like a Way. Snickers. This is supposed to be a wise Snickers. Don't come at me. Stick to no, the topic, chair. The the only <laughs> the only way I know how to compliment something is by lowering everything around it. Oh, I I want whatever garbage smoke you're gonna put out there. <laughs> What, like, nougat-based shit you're going to try to get into our mouths. Um, Snickers has it all. Like you said, Pete, it's a full meal. It's something it's you too can much. really... It's something you can take home to it's, your family. It's something a, you can... Candy is not a meal. You shouldn't have it so jammed up with shit you can't eat anything else. You got to go to bed afterwards. It's too much shit in there. You I can't have to enjoy. go to bed? I'm with Pete I think, here. I got to be honest. Snickers is way at the bottom of my list of the things that we were. Wow. Are you telling me I if have to go I'm to bed? I'm like on <laughs> <to> a <laughs> starve. If I'm like starving on an island, I want a Snickers because I'll get all that shit in me. But otherwise, I want to enjoy things and a, and a nice combination of flavors. Not like yeah. And the nice thing about stranded on a desert island is they've got those Snickers trees <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, Snickers stranded on a desert island. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The chair rests his case. Uh, All right. Okay, Pete, sure. over to you. What is your <laughs> choice First, for the number one candy? I would just candy? like to uh, – oh, well, my choice is Milky Way because – What? Shut oh, up. Get out of here. Bad choice. No reaction <laughs> time. The worst there was no choice. reaction when Justin did his thing. We Shut up. You yelled let the me entire talk. time. Yeah, you <laughs> shouted. You were, like, you were like, Desert Island, it's okay. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That has nothing to do. 
All right, listen. I don't care what you guys think. I love a Milky Way because I love caramel. All right, I love a light caramel in my... Yeah, with all this other shit where you can't really taste it. The nougat is a nice thing for the caramel to float on top of. It's like a little pillow of nougat with caramel there and then chocolate. It's the perfect combination. It's light. It's delicious. It is just a nice treat. And a Snickers <laughs> is too much. It's enjoyable, but it's just too much. When I think of candy, when I think of having a treat, something that is light and delicious and just melts and just, oh, it's, uh, it's Snicker Bar, you're like, oh, oh, I've, uh, you can't eat it frozen. <laughs> it's so hard to bite into frozen. You can't eat it frozen? It's just too much. It's, it's, it's just gr- too much. It's great. I want, it's great I want less. I want less out of life. No, I want to well, have a, I want to have a nougat. Yes, I want to have nougat. a nougat life. Three Musketeers, Milky Way, and Snickers are basically the same candy bar. You just add one thing each time. So that's how close to greatness it is. All right. That's fine, Pete. Bad choice. Uh, Here's my choice. I Honestly, this was a little bit of a toss-up because I liked a lot of the things that we reviewed as we've talked about some of my favorite candies here for different reasons. I was very close to choosing Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which is definitely one of my go-tos, particularly when it comes to holiday times. I always want you to grab a sack of whatever. Grab a sack? Grab a sack. Let's not harp on that too much. But I know know you're going to rip on me for this. The one I'm going to go with is sour gummy worms. And the reason, even though. Oh, shocker. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the fruit cup that you had, then that weird ass fruit I cup. Even though I got that poison cup from the deli, that was the one that I kept going back to. That was the one that I was like, well, I'll just have one more sour gummy worm here. And they were really good. Like they were the classic neon sour gummy worms and they were delicious. So that's going to be my number one choice. That's okay. Just- so now we have to just the three of us agree on which one's the is the winner. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. say it. One, two. No, I don't think we're ever going to agree. So I'll tell you <laughs> yes, why. That is right. I'll tell you, you don't why. Think, you don't think we're going to agree? Yes. We're, let's convince convince us to like Snickers, the worst candy bar. Justin, go ahead. <laughs> Snickers well, is first definitely, off, it's not no, the no, worst candy bar. Exactly. It's not the, the other worst. Ones, if you've uh, missed a couple of meals, have a Snickers bar. If the other candy bars you were pitching that are like, like what you call it, or it's like, put some effort into your candy. <laughs> what is this? What you just threw a good. bunch of stuff in a pot and then stirred it around and put I'd it in a candy bar. I'd rather have a baby it. Ruth than a Snickers bar. Baby Ruth. In any case, I don't that? think we're ever going to. What gonna, were you doing? That was from Goody's. Baby Ruth. That was yeah. not. It was like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff at the same time. Anyway, I'm definitely going to cut that part out of the podcast. But good. please do. I don't think we're ever going to figure this out. I think it's a three-way tie, so I'll tell you what. We need to bring in an impartial judge to figure out who should be the winner of the Syrup Cup. A person who has an expertise in candy and nothing else matters. So we are going to bring in on the next episode of the show, Jim Mickle, the co-showrunner and director of Sweet Tooth. He's going to come in. He's going to judge the Syrup Cup, determine what is the best candy of season one. And also maybe we'll talk to him a little bit about the show as well. So that's going to be rolling out in the podcast feeds next week. That's right. We're not quite done with Sweet Tooth yet. And not only that, we're going to have another bonus episode with Amanda Burrell, an executive producer on Sweet Tooth, as well as a the president 
of Team Downey, the company that produced it. And yes, that is uh, from Robert Downey Jr., in case you couldn't figure that out, as well as his wife, Susan Downey. So those should be super fun. So definitely stay tuned for those next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Sweet Tooth iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, the Candyman can get horsed, get tanked. (laughs) 